The scripture reading today is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 9. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, in these few moments, we pray that you might help us understand what this scripture has to say to us. It's tempting to think of it as simply a story of the past. And your words were meant for those who were being sent out then. But the truth of the matter is these words are still with us today because they capture meaning for us, for our living. So speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. We're all familiar with the the Great Commission. the Great Commission that we find in Matthew's Gospel, the 28th chapter and the 16th chapter of Mark's Gospel, where Jesus charges his disciples to, you know, to go and make disciples of all the nations. And that, that, uh, that Great Commission is recounted for us in, in Luke's account in the book of Acts in the very first chapter. We're also familiar with... Uh, Jesus saying to his disciples in John's gospel, uh, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And in all these accounts, Jesus is sending out his disciples, but it's right at the end of his ministry. Now, there are only four accounts where Jesus sends out his followers um, in the course of his three-year ministry. In other words, while he's still with them. It's not in, in those great commission accounts, he is in essence calling them to carry on what he will no longer be able to carry on because he's going back to his father. And so he's sending them out to continue the the ministry that he began. But during his ministry, in these four accounts that that I've mentioned, um, he is is sending them out while he's still with them. In in other words, he, he really... He wants to teach them something. And 
I can't help but think after they came back uh, that there was conversation and uh, probably a, a lot of sharing and a lot of uh, questions. And, and so these four accounts of Jesus sending out his followers during the course of his ministry became a, a true teaching moment. And I think it can be such for us as well. In these four accounts, three of them involve Jesus sending out just the 12 disciples. But in one of them, only one, which is our scripture lesson today, uh, Jesus sends out 70 of his followers. So a much larger group than just the 12 disciples. Now what's important about all four of these accounts is that there are two things that Jesus calls on his followers to do. He calls on them, number one, to proclaim the kingdom. Tell people about the kingdom of God. In fact, you know, so much of the Sermon on the Mount and so much of uh, the Gospels involve Jesus teaching his disciples and those who would listen about the kingdom of God, about what's important. What is that? And so that's one thing. And the second one He's calling on his followers to go out and to cure the sick. In other words, to promote healing. So it's proclaim the kingdom and cure the sick. Those are the two things in all four of these accounts that Jesus is telling his followers to do. In, in Luke's gospel, Luke says, He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal, Luke 9.2. In Matthew, Jesus says to his Disciples, as you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Matthew 10, 7 through 8. And in Luke, he says to the 70 from our lesson today, cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Luke 10, 9. And then finally, Mark tells us that they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. In other words, everyone... Everyone should turn around to the kingdom, turn around to what, what God has called them to be and do. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them, Mark 6, 12 through 13. Now, in every case, in every one of these four accounts, the mission, this two-part mission is paramount. It is the most important thing that they are to do. Everything else in their lives is meant to be secondary. That's why they are to leave everything else behind. Luke says, no purse, no bag, no sandals, no bread, no money or extra tunic. Matthew says, no gold, silver, copper. He adds that to the list that Luke had provided. And Mark agrees with, with the other two gospel writers. And there's a whole lot of stuff that Jesus is saying to his followers to leave behind. Because what he's trying to say is the kingdom and healing is of paramount importance. Everything else is secondary. Simply put, Jesus is telling his followers to seek the kingdom first and everything else will be provided. Does that not sound familiar to you? Remember how he says, consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin that Solomon in all his glory is not arrayed as one of these. He's saying, leave it all behind. We too are sent out, just like Jesus, 
sent out his followers so long ago. And we too are sent to proclaim the kingdom and to promote healing, or in other words, to cure the sick. Now, the kingdom of God that Jesus spoke about so often and lived out in his own life was not a kingdom that simply was out there after one's death. You know, the kingdom of heaven, that, that far off place that, that, that we all can uh, long to be a part of. But the kingdom of God for Jesus was inside of us and among us. It was a spiritual realm of God. It's here now. It's not just sometime in the future. And this kingdom, you know, he makes very clear what this kingdom is about. This kingdom is a kingdom of justice. That's why we in this church are so involved in justice ministries like impact and like more recently standing firm against racism and bigotry. It's why our own council of bishops uh, wrote the letter that they did concerning some recent comments out of the White House. It is also why the council of bishops teamed up with the commission on the status and role of women for our denomination and issued a statement more recently standing in, in concert with the Me Too movement and making it very clear that as, as Christians and as United Methodists that we, we stand against those who who use uh, sexual abuse to promote their own power. But we also, this, this kingdom of God is, we, we also share in a, in a realm of mercy. And that's why we're involved in mercy ministries like Pacham that we just spoke about, our, our shelter ministry. It's why we provide a weekly meal uh, for those who cannot afford a meal every Monday of the year through bread and blessings our soup kitchen. It's why we're involved in loaves and fishes, why we gave birth to that very important food pantry ministry. It's why we send teams to Haiti and why we're involved with Love, Inc. and AIM and the Good News Jail and Prison Ministry. All of this, these, these mercy ministries, these ways of showing mercy on those who don't experience much mercy in their lives. We're involved in that because Jesus sent us out into the world to proclaim such a kingdom as this. The kingdom of God is also one of compassion. It's why we visit shut-ins and why we take communion to our homebound. It's why we, we, we prepare and we share prayer quilts and why we pray for one another on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. All of these ministries of compassion are a way for us to be sent out by Christ into the world to share the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of justice and mercy and compassion. But we're also called to go out and to promote healing, to cure the sick, as Jesus said. Now, some of you are already involved in the medical profession, either as doctors or nurses or other staff members of hospitals or clinics. You're already involved in, in very much a ministry of curing the sick. But healing is, is more than just the physical. Healing is spiritual. The Hebrew word, it seems to me, that captures the essence of healing is shalom. We translate it as peace. And uh, it, peace, the word peace doesn't quite do it, doesn't really capture the meaning of shalom because shalom really means wholeness. It's healing a mind, body, and spirit. It's not just, it's not just kind of a, a peace of the mind, but, it, but it's... It's, it's a wholeness of one's life. 
And we're called to promote that kind of wholeness in the world. In our lesson, Jesus tells his followers in Luke 10, 5, whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. You see, it's the very first thing that he calls on his disciples to offer those that they go out to encounter. When they enter the home, the first thing they are to say is to say that peace to this house. Peace has come to this house. It's the wholeness of of God that we bring. Our families, our relationships, our community, our church, our our nation. All of these, these areas in which we live need shalom, need this healing, need this wholeness. And we are called to offer it. We are called to be ambassadors for shalom, for peace, for healing. It's part of our mission. Now, there's a reason that Jesus told his followers to leave so much of what they might normally want to take with them, why he was calling on them to leave it behind. Because the journey toward God's kingdom and healing is simply too long and too hard to carry excess baggage. You see, not everyone that we go to is ready for the kingdom. And not everyone that we go to wants to be healed as much as we think it it ought to be second nature to all of us to want to be a part of that kind of kingdom, to, to want to experience wholeness in our lives. The truth of the matter is we will go to people who don't want to have anything to do with the kingdom of God or with healing in their lives. And that is precisely why Jesus says in Luke 10, 3, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Because Jesus knew that his followers would encounter people who would not want to be a part of this kingdom that they offered. And that's why the peace that you and I might offer to people in our community and in, in our spheres of influence, that's why that peace might return to us, as Jesus says, can happen. It might be why in Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel why that we might have to shake the dust from our shoes because the people we encounter may not want to have anything to do with wholeness, with healing, with God's kingdom. You see, it's hard work offering God's kingdom and healing, and it can take a long time to make a difference. It doesn't happen overnight. That's why we need to leave our personal baggage behind. Jesus said, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals in our lesson. He he added some other things in the other lessons. I I don't think he he meant to, to make a complete list of all the things that we should leave behind. But I think we can learn something for the for those items that he mentions here in this tenth chapter of Luke. He says, leave a purse behind, purse that, you know, a wallet, that, that which kind of holds our material wealth. It, it represents those possessions in our lives that too often possess us. Remember when the rich young ruler turned away from Jesus because Jesus called on him to take his possessions, to sell them, and then to give it to the poor. And the scriptures tell us that he turned away sad, because he had great possessions. 
It wasn't the fact that he was rich that was the problem. The problem was that he was possessed by his possessions. And you don't have to be wealthy to be possessed by this desire for more, more material wealth. That You can be poor and spend your whole life wanting things rather than the Spirit of God. Look at uh, the Egyptian king Tut or the Chinese emperor with the terracotta warriors. They thought they could all take it with them, you know. Just, you know, bury it with them and it'll go with them to some other place. But I think they probably learned the hard way that you can't take it with you. Things will simply not make you happy. Jesus is saying, leave your purse behind. Leave those things in your life that you think if, if you can just have enough of it, it will, be, it will bring you the, the wholeness and the healing that the kingdom offers. Jesus said, leave your bag behind. That represents the provisions for the journey. And it doesn't make sense. Why would you leave that behind? Don't you need to take a bag that has food and blankets and water and those things that will kind of get you from one day to the next? Why does Jesus say, leave your bag behind? Maybe that bag represents, well, self-sufficiency, you know? Thinking that we can go it alone, that we can, we can put in the bags of our lives everything that we need, and we don't need anybody else. We don't need to ask for help. We don't need someone to offer us assistance because we can do it ourselves. We don't need anyone else, and we don't need God. Greatest tragedy in anyone's life is believing that you don't need anyone. You see, our bag is our security blanket. It's that which gives us a sense of security. It might be our, you know, our 401 or our, our pension plan or, or our, our health insurance. I don't know what that might be, but it's those things in our lives that make us, well, I think I've made it. And we kind of hang on to it. It makes me think of Moses when he was at the burning bush and God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and, and, uh, and Moses says, what have I got? I, I don't have anything. And God asks Moses out of that burning bush, what do you have in your hand? And what Moses had in his hand was a rod, the rod that any shepherd would have carried. And the rod was that which was used to defend his sheep. You know, it was a weapon of war. It was a, it was a security blanket. It was that which gave Moses or any shepherd a sense that I can, I can protect my sheep. I'm, I'm in charge here. And what does God say out of the burning bush? Throw it on the ground. Let go of it. And it was not until Moses dropped that stick, that rod, that, and, and then, you know, kind of threw it into the hands of God that it changed. And it was that rod that he was able to take to Pharaoh, and it turned into a snake, and it turned Nile, the Nile into blood, and it was that rod that parted the, the Red Sea. All of it happened because he was willing to give it up to let go and to realize that he couldn't do it by himself. Letting go of the bag of our life is letting go of that security, of that sense of self-sufficiency. Then he says, don't bring any sandals either. <laughs> Boy, that must have been the hardest one of all when you think of all the rocky roads that, that his followers were going to have to travel. Leave the sandals behind? You want me to go barefooted along this path? 
I think maybe the sandals represent the notion that we can make this journey painless. The truth of the matter is if we're really honest with ourselves and if we, if we truly want to, to proclaim the kingdom and bring about healing in other people's lives, then the road is going to be hard and we're going to, you know, we're going to stump our toes. We might even turn our ankle. It's not going to be simple. As I have said more often than once, if you love, if you are willing to love, then you will feel pain. If you, ha- if you think love is easy, I've said it uh, and I'll say it until my dying day. If you think love is easy, you've never tried it because love is hard. But, you know, it, Jesus could have made a much longer list, you know, purse, bag, sandals. He could have talked about some other baggage like bitterness, lack of forgiveness, low self-esteem. You know, if you look in the mirror and you see somebody that just uh, has nothing to offer, that maybe has failed, has, has messed up, and, and you look in that mirror and you say, God can't use me, then you know what's going to happen? You're going to go out into the world and you're going to see other people who have failed, who have fallen, and you're going to say, well, God can't use them either. When Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself, I don't think he was giving us a commandment. He was just telling us a fact of life. If you will love people like you love yourself. And so if you look in that mirror and you see somebody that's not perfect who has fallen and yet is, is worthy of God's love, then you will go out in the world and you're going to see a lot of people who have failed, who are imperfect, but are worthy of God's and your love. So you see, it's baggage that we carry, this low self-esteem. Even the self-centeredness and the arrogance and the narcissism that we carry, it's baggage that we carry and it prevents us from proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and bringing about healing in people's lives. And the list could go on and on. And, And there's no point in me listing all that. You fill in the blank. What is it that is your baggage. What keeps you from God's kingdom? What keeps you from shalom, wholeness in your life? That's what Jesus is telling you to let go of. It's excess baggage. It will get in the way. In all my training in, uh, in seminary, in clinical pastoral education, that was, that was the one thing they just kept hammering and hammering to us. We, 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 would, we would visit patients, we would write verbatims, and we would sit in a small group, and we would share what happened in that encounter with a patient, and the team would tear us apart because we were called upon to look at ourselves and what baggage did we take into that room that got in the way of us bringing healing and wholeness to the person who was in the bed. Now notice this one little thing. When Jesus sent the 70 out, he sent them out ahead of him. Remember I said these four encounters, they they occurred while he was still in his three-year ministry. It wasn't at the end. So he sent them out ahead of him 
as if to say he's right behind them. That, that they and we are the vanguard of Christ's presence in someone's life. And he sent them where he, he sent them where he intended to go. So you see, we are called to go to those people, those places, those circumstances where Christ would go. And we are called to be his hands and his feet and his heart in a sometimes heartless world. We are to be Christ to others. The journey is simply too long to carry baggage. So leave it behind. Let us pray. Lord, help us to realize that love is something that doesn't just happen overnight. Relationships aren't built. Healing doesn't come about in a split second. But sometimes it takes years. It's a long, hard road proclaiming your kingdom. It's a long, hard road to healing. So help us to be patient. But help us most to drop the bags that get in the way of our mission. Amen.